0: Before we get into the details of this membership covenant, it's important to clarify why we're even having a covenant. I mean, if we are a family, a beloved family, why would we do a covenant? I mean, do you write covenants to your own family? Well, the reality is we are a family in Jesus for those who are born again, who treasure Jesus with all their hearts and their souls and minds and strength. But at the same time, just like in a marriage two have become one, we still do covenants. We do covenants because there are days where we don't want to live out our identities, that we are one with our spouse, but yet we do not want to be married to them at that moment. We do not like them. We do not want to love them. And for for me as the husband, sometimes I don't want to love her as Christ loved the church. And sometimes Joanna doesn't want to submit and follow me and encourage me and honor me as she is, is called to. And so in the same vein, you see this kind of idea throughout scripture where covenants are markers for us to look back and remember what Christ has done, what God has done, and now what we are committing to respond because none of us are fully consistent to what we believe and what we treasure. All of us have days where we're not walking worthy of the gospel and we do not want to. And so the covenants are there for those days where we do not want to fulfill what we have committed ourselves to for for us not to fulfill the one another's call to us in Scripture. And as we go through these different points in the covenant, there are points here that they sound great on paper. I mean, yeah, I love people. I want to love people. But what about loving them when they've wronged you or loving them when they have fallen short of what your expectations are and what my expectations are? These covenants are great um, anchors for us in a community that will go through storms will go through challenges and times where people will let us down and times where we just want to skedaddle and get out of here and so we want to push against the cultural norm of of praising spontaneity as an idol to saying that you know if I don't feel like doing it then it's not genuine that there's going to be times where these covenants are going to hold us steady when we don't feel like doing what we know we ought to do um And so let me read the beginning. As those who have experienced the grace of all, of a life changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is, we we just stop here. We want to found it, found, use this as the foundation of everything. Because of what Jesus has done, we're doing this covenant. We're not trying to earn his grace or his favor because of this covenant. We're doing it because of his grace and his favor And having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God, we most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another in Christ. And so by the power of the Spirit, I covenant, and it's important to say by the power of the Spirit, none of us will live out this covenant perfectly, and we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill these commitments. And so number one, we are submitting ultimately, to submit to the authority of the Scriptures as the final authority on all issues pertaining to life, faith, and life. And, and the reason why this is fronted in the beginning is that, you know, ultimately, we are following Jesus through the Scriptures, not a leader or a pastor or a church movement or a model. This is our final authority. And so everything that follows this number one commitment should be based off of the scriptures. And if they're not, then they're null and void. And so in everything, we are committing to number one. Even if there are things on this covenant that are not listed, if number one implies them, then we're committing to that. And so this is first and foremost. Number two. To pursue intimacy with and conformity to Jesus through regular Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, and other habits of grace. All of us know that our relationship with God ought to be the number one thing in our life. And that we want more of Jesus in our life. But all of us are going to have times where we're going to not want that. At least we're going to live as we don't want that. That our hearts will be conflicted. And so we're committing to pursue Jesus as a community. Together with the community through the different means of grace God has given us. And so this is just a very general commitment. Number three, this one's getting more specific, and that's to take ownership and stewardship of all people's church, striving for the advancement of this church in its mission and vision, and its health in holiness, peace, and unity. Now, this is the point that takes and elevates this covenant From just being something you're committing to, but something that you are owning. In the sense that we are calling all of ourselves as a church. If you want to be a member at APC, that you would own APC. That you would steward APC as if it's your own baby. And not to have a disconnected, oh, that's the pastor's church. Or that's Sam's church. Or that's their, you know, this is your church. And so that you would defend it. You would... uh, support it you would do everything as if it's your own dream because god has given call if god has called you to be part of this church that you would promote it you would encourage us that you would fight for the unity and so many of the things that follow this point number three are connected to this and it do not have that mindset of ownership and stewardship then a lot of the other things won't matter. And so um, just like someone who starts a business, that person cares about it more than anyone else. So they're going to do things that normally would be out of their station. In other words, if they're the CEO and yet they see trash on the floor when they walk into the building, they're going to pick it up. Uh, They're not going to say, hey, someone come here, do it. No, it's they're owning it and and they own it as if they're their own it's their own home their own business and so that's the same kind of thing we want every member to come in with that kind of mentality where where is apc falling short how can i promote its mission and vision how can it grow because of my um, uh, initiative and so forth number 4 to regularly participate in the life of the church by wholeheartedly engaging in our community, especially expressed in our three G's. Now, it's sad to put this one in here because you would assume that if someone wants to join the church and be part of the family, that they would want this. But it's important to have this in their covenant because there's gonna be times where for whatever reason we're going to wanna drift away. We're gonna want to take a break from people. And and, and we don't do that. This is a family. We press in when it's hard. We press in when there's awkwardness or there's tension. And so we're committing to be fully given. Now, obviously, there's going to be seasons of life where this is going to be, we're going to be at a higher capacity or a lower capacity, but we're calling everyone who wants to be part of this family to be wholeheartedly part of the community. Just like in a family, we would expect our kids to be part of holidays and be part of different family traditions and be part of what we are doing. And especially the three G's of our structure, which is the Sunday gathering missional community groups and missional communities and DNA groups that if you cannot commit to these, we're, we're saying that's a loss because we're not these, this model that we've created, this structure is fine-tuned, tailor-made so that we can shepherd you, so that we can best thrive as a community, to make disciples of each other uh, 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 in Christ and and also to advance the gospel in our cities. And so if you can't be part of the three Gs, then maybe ABC is not a great fit because this is part of how we as a family are going to pursue Jesus. Number five, to love one another as a family through prayer, accountability, and good deeds as Christ has loved us. Again, we are rooting this in Christ because he's already done this stuff. We are loving one another through a prayer, accountability, and good deeds. And there's probably other ways we can express that love. But we are committing to not just say we love each other, but that we're going to show that we love one another. And that this is a covenant that's going to hold us together. And, and, And think about this. Think about a family member that you may have that you could wrong them at a pretty severe level and they may go through a season a rocky season where they won't talk to you but in, in the end there's a assumption or family or get through sad thing is we we can't have that confidence often in the church because people can just leave and not talk to you and and defriend you on facebook but you you can't do that in family families typically um Outside of pending, you know, crazy situations, you're like, I'm going to see them at Christmas or I'm going to I have to work this out. They're family She's my sister. She's my he's my brother. And so that kind of same mentality of committing to love one another like a family because we are a family. Number six. And this is. Unpacking how can we cultivate a family of love and and that's to avoid. Number six, gossip, slander. Being gracious in speech, slow to take offense, giving the benefit of the doubt, and being eager for reconciliation reconciliation, showing the same grace to others that has been lavished upon us. Again, as God has given us grace, we want to give grace to other people. And so we're gonna we're gonna to fight to be Um, pure in our language towards each other that we would not uh, tear each other down or or make fun of each other or gossip and and put it in the in the in under the guise of a prayer request but that we would honor one another being gracious in speech and being slow to take offense in other words Assuming the best in other people, giving the benefit of doubt, oh, they said that comment, maybe they mean it in a way that I don't understand, or maybe culturally, and this is gonna be doubly true, if we truly are a church that's going to reach all kinds of people, there's gonna be lots of times we're gonna misunderstand each other culturally. So, one word or one phrase or one habit or expression in one culture could mean something drastically different in another. And so, rather than just assuming the worst case scenario, Asking questions and being slow to take offense and always um, eager for reconciliation. Eager for it to be the best case scenario. Um, I heard one person said whenever, you know, someone says something to them, to them that, you know, strikes them weird, they assume a few things. They assume that the person um, loves God more than them. That that person is smarter than them. And then that person, uh, and then they try to think of what is the most positive possibility of the way why they're doing that rather than gravita- gravitating towards the worst possibility number seven to eagerly maintain the unity in the spirit and seek to be an agent of peace, even to the point of mediation and intercession. Now, this is going to be challenging for all of us, is because this is not just saying, hey, make sure that you are right with other people, but that if we're a family, to look around, and if you see in your community, in your emissional community, you see a faction growing, or people are speaking ill of each other, or there's division and they're cold, that you would, to pray for them, and that you would even at times, with wisdom and grace, Intercede and stand in the gap between those two people to bring a peace, be a peacemaker, that we would have a urgent longing for unity always and to fight for that. If you would ever see something that's going to cause disunity that's unwarranted, unhealthy, and unbiblical, that you would be grieved before you would even go there and that you would fight for that kind of unity in every possible way. Oh God, that w- what kind of community we could be if we had a whole church full of people who are fighting for unity and eagerly maintaining what we already have in the Holy Spirit. Number eight, to steward the resources God has given me and this includes time, talents, spiritual gifts, and finances. This would include regular financial giving to the church, serving, and participation in the community. That's sacrificial, cheerful, and volunteer. You know, voluntary. You know, this is this is given. This is a given in a family. If you're a family, you just assume that people are going to own it. They're going to give of their gifts and their time and their talents. But this is something that's important. If if you can't contribute at some level. And every single one of us are in different seasons and situations, whether it's a financial debt or if it's a season where you're just at max capacity, that's understandable and that's part of a family. However, if you do not have a heart that is given towards that or wanting to move towards that, something needs to change. We need to have a conversation about this because this is part of a family that you are giving generously. And our encouragement when it comes to just the financial piece, not, not the gift piece or the time piece, but... We're encouraging everyone to use to, to use eight percent as a as like a tithe. And and we don't believe the New Testament teaches the tithe. All of our finances is the Lord's, it's all his and, and and by extension it's all the church universal. But we are encouraging people to use eight percent as a good um kind of bar of a goal to give to at least eight percent to the main church, and then setting two percent aside. For other needs, whether it's missions or local needs in the community, especially local needs in the community. So, if let's say you you made a thousand dollars a month, okay, just to make the math easy, and you would have um, eight eighty bucks set aside to give to the church, and then twenty bucks a month set aside to bless someone, and that 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 would be always set apart in your thinking, and maybe that's rolling over, and one day you hear that there's a need, and and then you have oh I have sixty bucks set apart for this. That we want to be a community that doesn't just pull pull our resources together and centralize but also have money set aside, set aside to bless people actively and look for opportunities to be agents of blessing. Number 9 is kind of a general thing but is a commitment to walk in holiness in all areas of life and by the power of the spirit of course by the gospel by God's grace. grace. And so this is a general commitment for holiness. And so if there's a day where one of our members, including myself, just starts to fall into repeated habits of sin and I'm not repenting of, that you would hold me to this covenant, that I've committed to a life of holiness that is set apart as a worship to Jesus. Number 10, to take seriously the responsibility of Christian freedom, especially actions or situations that can present a stumbling block to another. This is remembering, sorry, the last part, remembering that sometimes... Love restricts freedoms. Now, this actually requires probably a whole sermon or a sermon series to un- understand what it means that we have Christian liberty. But there are a lot of things that we are able to do because of Jesus, but sometimes we ought not to do. And so to give a very, very concrete example, but th- this could look very differently, is that we want to be careful on loving our community and others in such a way that would, promote unity and the good of others. And so let's say you are in a DNA group and two out of the three um, are ex-alcoholics and struggling with that. Then you have all the freedom in the world to drink around them. But perhaps it would be wisest to restrict your freedom to drink for that season as you love and help and serve and disciple these other brothers or sisters. That's just one example that can look differently at different times. Number 11, to submit to the discipline of God through His Holy Spirit. Okay, so we had a talk a few weeks ago about um, membership, and then we, we spoke about um, the importance of church discipline. Now, I'm not going to go through all the details again, but remember, church discipline is just um, is something that should be happening all the time, every day. And that's as simple as encouraging someone, hey, you know, um, I'm going to encourage you in this, or asking a question, a thoughtful, um, a specific question, encouraging or challenging someone in, in love and grace. Uh, but if all the processes that we've seen in 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 18 fail, they alt- it can ultimately turn into um, excommunication and, and treating them like an unbeliever, which would mean we love them and reach out to them, but we don't. we can no longer affirm them as a Christian as far as the fruit is showing. And so this commitment in number 11 is calling ourselves to, we are committing and submitting to each other that we will receive church discipline and that we would give it also. Uh, And we need both sides doing it. We need to humbly receive and humbly and graciously give. And if we have a community that we're regularly um, uh, encouraging and rebuking each other in love, in the small things, we will avoid having the big blowouts. And so it's very important that we uh, exercise number 11 at a very micro level in order to protect us from going to the macro level, which is usually uh, a long season or seasons of destructive behavior that was under the waters that was compromising number 12 to submit to the pastors and other appointed leaders to the church as those who will be held accountable for your souls and it's important that i said to the as those who will be held accountable for your souls because because it's important to know these pastors we are not lording it over you we are not those who are doing this for personal gain but we're going to have to held accountable to Jesus. We're going to have to talk to Him, and He's going to ask us how we treated you, and He's going to judge us, in in one sense, for the way we shepherded the flock. And so, in with those that in mind, to be submissive to the pastors, as much as they are submitting to the Scriptures and following Jesus. Um, this is a tough thing to say in our culture, because we hate submission, and we have seen ample abuses of authority but this is a biblical reality and so the call is for every member to be persuadable that's actually the greek word uh for submit in hebrews thirteen seventeen. to be a persuadable person that you would not be a pain to lead not always questioning in a belligerent way obviously we want questions and pushback and 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 earnest wrestlings, but we, but but there's a difference between someone who's just always pushing against and, and the pastors are never enough. And, and if that's the case, uh, then maybe another church would be a better fit for you. The reality is we won't be enough. Jesus is the only one enough, and we're going to do our best as imperfectly as we will execute in following him and shepherding you. But this is a call to submit to the pastors, and that's including for me, Sam. I'm submitting to the other pastors also. Number 13, we're almost done. To pray for and honor the pastors while holding them accountable to biblical standards for leaders throughout through biblically mandated mandated ways, and so there's if you look through the pastoral epistles it kind of explains what to do when it comes to what I mean by biblically mandated ways, but the call here is to pray for pray for us i i I covet your prayers i I'd pay you for to pray for us we need your prayers i'll die without your prayers and and honor us and and, and whatever the I, I'm, I'm being tripped up. I'm tripped up at all during this talk, but I'm tripping up over this word honor because it feels self-serving. But it would be less loving to you not to include this because we're called to share those, the good things with those who teach us. And so there is a danger because in some cultures we, we have a hyper honor uh, towards idolatry and enablement to the pastors. And in other cultures it's, it, there's no honor to the pastors. And there's a healthy medium uh, that we want to walk that is biblical. And so we're also committing to honor each other and especially honor the pastors. And not in a way where they're separate from us. Like, oh, you're the pastors and we're like the nobodies. No, we're all important but there is a special honor to the pastors. Number 14, finally. Should I leave the church for righteous reasons, I will notify the church leaders so that I may be sent. And if possible, unite with a like-minded church where I can carry on the spirit of this covenant. This is maybe the most hardest one in this document especially in our culture that just you know my life is my own I'll do what I want if I like you I'll stay if I don't like you I'll leave and there's no accountability and so a couple of things is included when I say when we say righteous reasons first we encourage everyone and there's biblical precedent for this to make decisions within community and here's a good rule of thumb to the extent it will affect your community you should include your community to the extent it will affect your life you should include The community. So, in other words, if it's going to drastically affect your time and your money, you should include the community. And obviously, there's a way that this can be very cultish and people can lord it over, but knowing that we want your good, we want the good of the kingdom, and that there's going to be tons of people who will come in and out of APC for a season, and we're going to joyfully send them out. But we want to send you. We don't want to just hear one day, oh, you left because you were offended at something that happened, or so forth, or we don't have the programs that you wanted. Those are not righteous reasons to leave a family. Remember, we're not a service for you to just consume. We are a family that you are joining that's on a mission. And so we're all committing to submit to one another's, another in this community. And so even for me, I can't just up and get and leave. If I get some job opportunities on the table, I'm going to for sure bring it before my community, before my other pastors, and submit to their their wisdom, knowing that they're going to make decisions in line with Scripture, in line with the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of APC. And so this is going to be very countercultural. And if you can't make this commitment, then APC won't be a good fit because we are a family. And in family, you make these big decisions together. And then as you make this decision, as we seek the Lord and we say, maybe, you know, let's say your name is Susie. Susie, yes, we think you should go to this church or should move to this city. Let's send you out. And then we want to bring you forward and bless you and pray for you and fund you if, if, if it's necessary and help you make that transition to go and send you as an ambassador, send you as a missionary to that place. And then hopefully you can unite with a like-minded church where you can carry on the spirit of the covenant. And so there's a lot here. And I feel the weight of it because we just went through it. And I feel the weight because my throat is tired. But this is important. And I just encourage you to not take this covenant lightly, to go over them carefully and to to feel the weight of what we're committing to because there'll be a day where we don't want to live out these truths and we're going to have to come back to this covenant and remember, you know what, I signed that. I know that is the right way to live and I want to love the community in this way. All right, so hopefully this was helpful. If you have any other questions, feel free to follow up with us. But this is the general heart of our membership covenant, which will be very much an anchor for us so that we can have the flourishing community and as a family that we are so praying to be and to to be for the cities.